Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason why he said, for this cause I bow my knees. And we'll just mark that there. We'll come back to it. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in you, in your hearts, by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Of course, we know Paul here is writing a letter to the Ephesians and to the church at Ephesus. And they're having a a problem, uh, and he addresses it in Ephesians chapter 3. And their problem is this mystery that's been unveiled. And the mystery that's been unveiled, it was simply this, that salvation was not limited to just Jews. God opened the door for the Gentiles to know Christ and to be grafted into the family. And, And they were having some issue with that. Uh, and uh, because God wants us to understand that uh, racism doesn't belong in the house of God. Racism uh, doesn't belong in the church house. Uh, the grace that he offers is not a white grace. It's not a black grace. It's not an Asian grace. It's a grace available to whosoever that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so they were having a problem with this because they were, you know, Jewish people have their own ways. And and now these group of people known as Gentiles have now been able to access the salvation freely given by God. And they've been grafted into the family. So they were having an issue with this. And so Paul deals with this in in the first part of this chapter. And you'll notice that uh, chapter 3 starts out, he uh, begins to unveil this mystery and to tell them what's, what's going on. And then you'll notice the, the phrase changes. And in verse 14, he begins to offer up a prayer. And I, the first thing I want you to notice is a prayer or his petition that was uncomfortable, a posture that was uncomfortable. You say, Brian, why would you say that? Why would you say posture that's uncomfortable? Look at what he said. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know everything that's in the Bible is there for a reason, right? There's no, there's no words that, that are not there by accident. There's a reason why that's there. Let's get the setting. Paul is in prison. Let me rephrase that. He's in jail, but he's not in prison. There's a big difference. He's in jail, but he's free. He's free in the, in, in the spirit of Christ. But he is in jail and now he is uh, offering up this prayer to his friends and to the church of Ephesus. And he says, for this cause, I bow my knees. So not only is he in a jail cell, but now he bows his knees, gets on the ground and begins to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, praying on your knees uh, for a length of time is, can get uncomfortable. 
Your knees can, uh, your legs can fall asleep. Your feet can fall asleep. If you're there for a period, a long period of time. Can you imagine on the floor of a concrete jail cell and, and him being in that pot? Now, Paul wasn't in good health either. And no doubt he had been weary and tired, but he said, I'm going to make myself uncomfortable because, listen, you're going to find that the more uncomfortable you are, the more sincere your prayers will be. Sometimes we get, we are so comfortable in our spirit and so comfortable in our situation that the prayers we pray aren't sincere. But listen, when God allows you to go through some uncomfortable times, your prayers become more sincere and your prayers don't become flowery. I know sometimes we pray and we use big words and I've heard people pray big words that are beautiful prayers. But listen, when you're uncomfortable, when you get down to business, when God allows you to go through some things in your life, hey, you won't mince words, you'll get down the business and you'll say, God, I need you. And this is the way Paul was. Paul was in a place where his posture was uncomfortable. But notice this, even though his posture was uncomfortable, even though he was in jail, he didn't pray about being in jail. His prayer was directed to people that were outside of the jail, that were hurting, that were confused, that needed help. That's how you know if someone is down to business with God. That's how you know if someone really loves the Lord. They could be going through their own trial. They could be going through their own pain, but yet they find time to pray for you. One of the most humbling experiences I've ever had is whenever... I went to visit my papa one time and he, he was sick in the hospital and I'd go and visit with him as much as I could and we'd go and pray. But then there was one day when he stopped me after I prayed before on my way out, he said, let me pray for you. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's one thing to pray for your own papa, but when you got a papa lying sick in a bed, and not knowing what's, what's going to happen with his life, how his health's going to be. And yet he turns around and begins to pray for you. I'm telling you, it does something to your soul. And listen, that's how you know someone's got the goods or not. Uh, hallelujah, they aren't worried about their condition. They aren't worried about being uncomfortable. They're just worried about getting a prayer through for someone in need. Hallelujah. He turned his prison into a prayer room. But he never let the prayer room be about the prison. <laughs> It was about the Ephesians. It was about his friends. It was about the ones that needed help. So we see a posture that's uncomfortable. Secondly, we see a petition that's unattainable. Look at what he said in verse 16. That he would grant you, this is this prayer to the Ephesians, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now that's, that's attainable, right? That's, that's not impossible to be strengthened in the inner man. That, that's a good prayer to pray. But then notice he goes on. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. He's telling me you need... Not only do you need to be strengthened in the inner man, but you need to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, now that's not impossible. That's not a prayer that's impossible to pray. 
And then he said, I want you to, I want you to be able to understand what the height and breadth and, and, and depth and the length of the love of God. But then notice what he says in verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. A possible petition just turned into an impossible petition. You say, Brian, why would you say that? Look at what he said. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. He said, there's no way that you can understand the love of Christ. So I'm going to ask him to show you the love and to know the love that you can't know about. That's what he said. He said, you you ain't going to be able to understand it, but I'm still going to pray for it. I'm going to pray that you understand what you don't know. And then he says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. There's only one person that had ever lived on this earth that experienced the fullness of God, and that's Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that. Paul even said it. The fullness of the Godhead bodily was then found in Jesus Christ. So why would he pray? Why would he send a petition that seemingly was unattainable? Because don't you understand? God doesn't show up until it becomes impossible. He said, I'm praying something for you that you're going to think is impossible. I'm going to pray that you know the love of God that you can't know about. I'm going to pray that you get the fullness of God that you'll never attain. But I understand. I know where the impossible can be made possible. And it's found now unto him that is able. He understood where the impossible can be made possible. And that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know some of you think that the things you're going through seems to be an impossible situation. But let me tell you this. God specializes in the impossible and he will only show up when it becomes impossible. That's why it's called a miracle. He shows up when things become impossible. I love what Mike Blanton said on Saturday night. He said, God can't do the impossible. And it kind of, everybody kind of got quiet. And then he began to explain it. He said, because he's never seen anything that's impossible. So I understood what he said. It's impossible to us. But the angel told Mary, for with God, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. The petition that was unattainable, the posture that was uncomfortable. But notice the promise, excuse me, the providence that is unlimited. He said, I know I'm I'm asking, I'm praying for you some things that you can't attain by yourself. I'm going to pray for the fullness of God. I'm going to pray that you know the love of God that you're never able to know. But I'm going to tell you how these things are going to be attained. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to be able to understand. And I want to be able to tell you how you're going to be able to be provided for. And that it can be an unlimited supply of love and mercy and grace. It's found now unto him. Now unto him. Obviously, Paul already assumed that the Ephesians know who him was. (laughs) Do you know who him is? Is that even grammatically correct, Mrs. Patterson? No, it's not. Okay. I figured it wasn't. But you fully understand what I mean. If you don't know who him is, let me just 
refresh your memory. <laughs> Acts 17, 28 says in him, we live and move and have our being. Romans 8, 37 says, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Philippians 2, 9 says, God has highly exalted Help me out. God hath highly exalted and given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And in chapter 2 of Ephesians verse 18, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And then he said in our scripture verse, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He provides us unlimited providence from his hand. It all comes from him. He's the only one that can do the impossible. Years ago at this church, and it's been a long time, some of you may not have heard the message, but years ago when we were first in this building, I brought to you a message on this very text, and I called it Beyond Beyond. Because when you begin to break down these verses, what Paul was simply telling the church of Ephesus was simply this, that our God can do exceeding abundantly above. That word exceeding abundantly means beyond. The word exceeding means beyond. The word abundantly is the same word in the Greek means beyond. So he says God is able to go beyond, beyond. And if you think God can go a certain distance, Think again. He can go further than that. <laughs> Amen. He is able to do what we could even think of or imagine. That's why it's called impossible with us. Nothing is impossible with him. He can go beyond your situation, beyond your trial, beyond your circumstance, beyond your storm. And guess what? He can go further than that. It's unlimited. His providence is unlimited. And I'm thankful that no matter what we face in life, he says, I can help you to get through it. And I can turn it into something that you never even thought possible. Being out with Gary today, I was reminded of a situation and the circumstance that happened in our family's life way before even I was born. Gary was eight years old. My mom was six. And they had a brother whose name was Jimmy. He was four years old. And my family, my mom's family has always had a sawmill and still have it to this day. And the sawmill at this time was, was located pretty close to where my mamma lives now, just behind her house there at Beach Fork. And my, my Uncle Jimmy uh, was, was just like any other four-year-old. They were out playing, out having a good time. And the kids weren't allowed to be around the sawmill when it was running or even when it was not running. It was just a dangerous situation. And so... Um, my Uncle Jimmy got away from, from Gary as they were playing and went into the sawmill to see my great-grandpa. And as he was talking to him, he was talking about a, they just got a new ice cream maker that you turn. That's the only kind of good ice cream, homemade ice cream, right? It's the one you turn. And Grandpa was telling him how they were going to make ice cream and Jimmy was excited. Gary 
was telling us that the very next, the very next weekend they were planning to go fishing and have a family trip. And, and as my great-grandpa Alton was talking to my Uncle Jimmy, a sound came from the sawmill and a piece of wood came off that sawmill and it hit my Uncle Jimmy in the head and, and killed him instantly. And I, I'm not going to describe what happened, but you can imagine what happened. My, my Uncle Gary was frozen. My grandpa, James Ray, was in his mid-20s, just shaking, yelled to Gary to go get my mamma Lola. Gary ran to the house, and my grandpa picked my Uncle Jimmy up and ran to their house to try to get him to the hospital to see if there was anything that could be done. When my Uncle Gary went into the house, he was white, he was pale, he was speechless, frozen. And my grandma looked at him and said, Gary, what's wrong? There's something wrong. And he, she said, is it Jimmy? And he shook his head. And my grandma Lola went out inside and saw my grandpa carrying the lifeless body of my Uncle Jimmy. And she collapsed on the ground. Youngest boy at the time, the youngest child. Tragedy. I'm telling you, folks, it, things, your life can change in a matter of seconds. And from that point, my grandmother went into a deep, dark state of depression for weeks. She would just, <laughs> she'd just sit on the couch and just stare. She'd point and grab at things. My Uncle Gary would just stand by her, sit by her, and hold her hand for a couple, just two weeks, just trying to, trying to get her through this time. My great-grandmother Daisy would come and try to take care of the house and cook for the family. All the while, my grandmother trying to make it through an impossible situation. My mom, who was six years old at the time, offered some words of wisdom. Said, Mommy, I think if you would just if you would just go to the church and be anointed, I think God's able to help you bring you through this. And my grandma made up her mind and she prayed and said, Lord, I can't be this way Listen now, this was her prayer. I can't stay in this state and have more power with you. She said, Lord, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to have more power to live for you, you're going to have to bring me out of this. That was her prayer. It wasn't to feel better. It was to have more power with God. Took her to the church, anointed her on a Sunday night. And Gary says it, and mom says it this way. They were on their way home, and they could tell as soon as they got in the house that something was different, that God had done something. Because Mama Lola said, 
how would you all like some biscuits and rabbit gravy? And they knew ma'am all was fine. She hadn't cooked anything for two weeks, just sitting in a state, solid state of depression and darkness because of a tragedy in her life. But she said, Lord, if you're going to get me through this, if I'm going to have more power with you, I've got to get through this impossible situation. And through the prayers of the people and through the blessed Holy Ghost, God brought her through that. And from that time, from that time, let me show you what God can do. Not, not trying to brag, I'm just bragging on God. From, from that time, God changed her life and God moved into, to have more power. And from that family, from my, fa- my grandfather and my mamma Lola, seven preachers have come out of that family. People that love the Lord, that love to serve him, that sing and preach. Hey, I'm telling you what, folks, God can do the impossible. I don't care how dark it may seem. If you want more power with God, God can do the impossible, but it's up to him now, unto him that is able.